you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, may, uh, as we open your word, may we have open ears and soft hearts uh, to hear from you. Uh, and to let your word uh, change us and work in us, bring us comfort uh, where we need comfort and challenge where we need challenge. In your name, amen. Uh, We're looking at John uh, chapter 21. Uh, So if you'd open your Bibles there, that would be great. Uh, We've been uh, looking at the last couple chapters of of John here at Bethel uh, because they're... um, Uh, They sort of tell the story of what happened after Jesus rose from the dead. Not all the Gospels spend a lot of time here, uh, but John does, and I think it's particularly interesting uh, because after Jesus rose from the dead in in John, his disciples, it's clear, didn't didn't know exactly what to do. Uh, They still seemed to have some problems, some things they were stuck in, some things they couldn't uh, quite handle. Uh, So last week we we talked about Thomas, who missed out uh, Jesus' first appearance after the resurrection, who uh, wasn't ready uh, to go on the mission until he saw for himself, like all the disciples got to see. And this week um, we look at uh, Peter, and we're going to look at him again next week as well. Uh, Peter is one of the most important disciples uh, because he's the one that's always ready to do what needs to be done. Uh, But he's stuck too. And so at Bethel, we're talking about what does it mean? How does does Jesus help get us unstuck? Um, And so the the words that have just been on my mind reading this uh, this week are, are those three words that it's too uh, late. I think a lot of times we get stuck in it's too late. And I'll give you an example. Uh, so when I was in high school growing up, um, I was, um, those of you know me now would be so surprised, I was not the most popular kid in my high school. I know, you're shocked. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I, was, I wasn't that kid. And I was picked on by other kids. But oftentimes, um, when, when you're picked on, sometimes, and I'm not, uh, this is terrible, um, <laughs> uh, you tend to find somebody else that you can then pick on a little bit. You know, that's one way that kids get through it, and it's not right, and it's not okay. But there was a kid that I was friends with that I would always give a hard time. Uh, his name was Chris, and I, and I thought of him as a, as a friend. We spent a lot of time together, and I uh, would make fun of him. I'd pick on him. And when kids were mean to me, I would be uh, mean to him. And I remember graduating high school um, and leaving and trying to leave all that behind, you know, and and all the stuff and all the the burdens that I I carried, little burdens and my my feelings about Chris. Um, I tried to leave that behind. And a a few years went by, and uh, he actually reached out to me on on Facebook um, and I felt so bad about the way that I had treated him, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't respond. I just, I just left it. Didn't respond. I didn't know what to say to this kid. And, and, and I felt bad, and I just, I, you know, I didn't know what, what to do. And so I just, I just left it. And, and a few um, weeks later, you know, I felt like it was, it was too late to do something about what I had done. Um, and the way that I had treated him, and I'm sure made his life hard in the same ways that I had people who had made my life hard. And I, I didn't answer. Um, 
And about a year later, um, he, he passed away in an accident. <laughs> and, it, and it hurt. And I realized, um, even now, that I missed that chance, didn't I, to reconcile with that person. I don't know what he wanted to say to me. You know, maybe he just wanted to see uh, where I was going to college or what. But, but I missed that opportunity. I think we all have uh, things that we've missed in our lives. And the thing that we tell ourselves is it's, it's too late to do something about it. Uh, maybe you have something and you think, you know, if only I had started uh, working out three years ago, <laughs> then I would be in great shape. But now, right, it's too late uh, to deal with my, my health problem. Or, or if I had only taken that opportunity, that job offer that came up, I, I didn't take it. I stayed put because I was scared. But now, like, it's too late to do something about that. Or, or many of you, I have this conversation with people all the time. Like, the minute that we had our first kid, the conversation that every parent in the church would have with me is, is spend time with your kids now. Enjoy it before it's too late, right? Build that relationship with your, with your kids before it's too late. Don't miss it because oftentimes um, as time goes by and we think if only I had done that, things would be better, but, but it's always too late. Um, you know, we think, ah, it's too late to start eating right now. If only I had done that three years ago, and then three years from now, we're all going to be saying, if only I had started eating right three years ago, right? Well, uh, Peter is, is stuck in the, the biggest it's too late uh, imaginable. Uh, we're going to be looking at, at what happened uh, to him because, because for Peter, uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, um, he, was, he was so happy. He was elated, right? Uh, Peter had followed Jesus for three years, done all kinds, seen all kinds of amazing things for three years. Um, uh, but, but he died and, and uh, laid in a tomb. And right before Jesus died, Peter, Peter denied Christ. We know this. He denied even knowing who Jesus was. And despite all of Peter's big talk, despite all of his courage, all of his excitement, all of his desire to do the right thing, Peter's the guy uh, that we remember took up a sword to try and kill the Romans when they came to get Jesus, right? This is Peter. Um, but when the, the time came, uh, when, when Jesus was captured and being hung on a cross, uh, Peter uh, told everybody that he didn't know who Jesus was three times, right? At, at just the wrong moment, when it counted, Peter turned his back on, on Christ. And he knew it was too late, and even after Jesus rose, um, you know, there wasn't anything that could have been done to change that failure in, in Peter's life, right? He had, he had done it. Uh, but the Gospel of John uh, goes out of its way to, to spend some time looking at Peter again after the resurrection. Uh, and and it, it gives us this. Uh, last, uh, this last chapter in John. Uh, most people think when they read it that, that it probably would end better at the end of chapter 20. Uh, but for, for one really important reason, the, the gospel, the story doesn't stop there. It takes one minute uh, to take a look at Peter. So we're going to take a look. Uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 6 to start, and we'll keep going. Uh, but, but here it is. Uh, so they know Jesus is risen. They've seen him twice. This is the third time that they see Jesus after the resurrection. Uh, and, and so here we go. Afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee the third time. And it happened this way. Uh, Simon Peter 
who we just talked about, and Thomas, uh, who, was, who was stuck in doubt last week. Uh, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Uh, so they're hanging out together. They're still in the house. They're still kind of waiting to see what they should be doing next. And, and Simon Peter says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Uh, so they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And early in the morning, uh, Jesus stands on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. Uh, one thing that's really important to understanding uh, how fishing stories work, there's a few fishing stories in the Bible, is in the ancient world, in the ancient Near East, at the Sea of Galilee, uh, you didn't go fishing early in the morning. You went fishing all night long. Uh, much easier to catch the fish. You'd cast out these big nets and pull the fish in overnight. And then in the morning, hopefully you'd have a boat full of fish that you could then clean and put away and then maybe you'd go home and go to sleep. Uh, so it's uh, when, when a fishing story ends in the morning, it means the work day is finished. Uh, so whatever you've caught, you've caught. You're not going to be catching any more uh, fish. And so it's early in the morning. Uh, they've caught nothing. Uh, and here's Jesus standing on the shore far away in the dawn, and they don't recognize him. And he calls out to them in verse 5. He says, friends, uh, haven't you any fish? And of course, the answer is no. Uh, so they've, they've failed as fishermen tonight. They've wasted an entire night of work. And um, even though my dad says that a bad day fishing is better than a good day working, I don't know what that says about people who work uh, as fishermen. Um, so in Galilee, you fish at night. So, so Jesus says, have you caught any fish? And no, no, man, no bites today. And he said, why don't you throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And of course, we know, if you know anything about fishing uh, in, in the ancient world, that this is a waste of time, this is pointless, this isn't going to solve the problem. This is not a good solution, but for whatever reason, even though they don't recognize who Jesus is, they take the stranger's advice, and they cast their net on the other side. And of course, our, our scripture, John, uh, records for us that when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his garment around him for he had taken, him off, taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing a net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. Uh, so here, here we go. We're in the boat. And, and what happens, right? Uh, they recognize Jesus, not by sight, uh, not by the sound of his voice, but by what he's done, by doing the impossible. If you read the Gospel of John, uh, over and over again, Jesus proves his identity through his actions. Um, you can believe in him because you've seen what he's done, or maybe you know people that have seen what he's done. And so uh, this thing happens that's impossible, that shouldn't happen. The nets are full of fish. Immediately, the disciple Jesus loved said, that, that's Jesus. That's, that's the Lord, right? And so they, they pull into shore, and Peter he still wants to be first, right? He still, even though he failed, he still wants to be good. And so he can't even wait for the boat to get to shore. No, right? He dives in the water and swims to shore to go, to go see Jesus, to beat him. And, and they did. So they're pulling the, the fish in. Peter's, Peter's neglecting the work. And um, they, they come up to shore. When they landed, uh, they see a fire of burning coals there with some fish on it and some bread. And and Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. 
So Simon Peter climbs back into the boat, drags the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. John wants us to know that there were 153 fish. Uh, But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew who it was and they weren't going to ask a question like that. Uh, Jesus came, he took the bread and gave it to him, and he said, did the same with the fish. This was now the fir- third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he raised from the dead. So we're on the shore, we're eating breakfast, they're eating breakfast with Jesus. And they get done with their meal, they're all dry, the fish are there on the shore. Uh, and Jesus says to Peter, Simon Peter, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? more than these. Yes, Lord, uh, he told them. Uh, He said, I I know, you know that I love you. Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Okay, the the fish are piled up, and and most people think uh, when Jesus is, we don't know this for sure, but then when Jesus is asking Peter uh, if he loves him more than these, he's actually referring to the fish, uh, not the other disciples. Sometimes people think that that's fine. Uh, but, but we think uh, most likely he's referring to the fish. Jesus is saying, do you love me more than the thing that I'm able to do for you? Than the sign, right? Because John is all about signs. Are you going to believe because of the, the free food or uh, are you following something deeper than that? And so, so Jesus says, Simon, son of Peter, uh, or Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Uh, he said, I know, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter uh, was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Jesus says, then obey me, then feed my sheep. Uh, So here we go. That's that's our passage. We're sitting by the fire. Jesus uh, shows up in in this amazing story, right? Uh, He shows up at the end of a night of failure for the disciples, right? They failed at fishing. They were bad fishermen that night, didn't catch a single fish, nothing to justify the effort. From the shore, Jesus says, uh, throw your net on the other side. He gives a command, and the disciples, for whatever reason, even though they don't know it's him yet, they follow it. And as a result, uh, you know, there's a beautiful response, right? There's success in in exactly what they're trying to do. Um, Even though it's pointless, uh, they do it. There's this miraculous uh, catch of fish, and when they see the fish, right, they know it's Jesus uh, because of what Jesus does, the kind of things that Jesus does. And so Peter, Peter jumps in, he swims to shore, and he meets Jesus by a fire. And if you remember uh, the time that Jesus denied, or, or that Peter denied Jesus, uh, he was actually sitting uh, right next to another fire. John goes out of its way uh, to remind us, to tell us that Jesus was war- or that Peter was warming his hands by the fire uh, when he denied even knowing who Jesus is. And so here's Peter sitting by a fire after a night of failure, and it's no accident, is it? 
It's not an accident uh, that Jesus speaks to Peter right next to a fire again. Because Peter, uh, he remembers probably, right? That not long ago, uh, the last time he sat by a fire, this time at night, not the early morning, he denied knowing Jesus three times. Uh, that just like that failure of a night of fishing, uh, the fire reminds us that Peter failed as a disciple when it counted most. This fire is no accident. Sitting beside it, Jesus asked Peter the same question three times, three more chances to say, yes, Lord, I love you, despite the fact that he had denied him three times. Peter, do you love me more than the signs? Do you love me more than the fish, more than the miracles, than the things that happen when you follow me? It is no accident. It's the same question that the Gospel of John asks over and over and over again. Do people follow Jesus for the meals, or do they really believe him? Does Peter follow for what he can get, or for who Jesus is, the fish, and the fire, it's, it's no accident in John. Peter answers the question each time. Yes, 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 he's hurt three times. It's no accident. And each time Jesus says, take care of my lambs. Uh, see, it turns out that Peter uh, is, is kind of uh, still on a fishing boat for his discipleship. It's just like when he was out in the water with no fish, um, because his three years of following ended in failure, ended in waste. Peter's big hopes and big claims, his, his big courage with his sword there in Gethsemane, he failed when it mattered most, didn't he? But here's Jesus in his presence recreating that moment for him. He's inviting Peter uh, by giving him a chance to speak uh, about his love for Christ three times, one for each denial. And so here's Peter by the fire, and again, Jesus says, hey, it's not too late. Cast your net on the other side. If you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, do what I ask. Yes, there is failure, Jesus says. He reminds Peter of the failure with the fire and the questions. Why do you think it hurts Jesus or Peter's feelings so much? Yes, there's failure. But it's not too late. That night by the fire for Peter was barely the beginning of his life's story. Now, the story, uh, John doesn't tell us um, what happens with Peter. Uh, other books of the Bible tell us what happens with Peter, but, but John doesn't, doesn't focus on whether or not Peter feeds his lambs or not. It ends with that question mark. It ends with the question, is Peter going to cast his net on the other side of the boat? Will he feed his lambs? Will he follow what Jesus says? Uh, but we know that, that he does obey Jesus that he dedicates his life to this new calling, to feeding Jesus' lambs. And by that, uh, he means taking care of the people and, and sharing with them the word of God and the gospel. See, Peter's calling will stretch on far longer than that fire outside of Jesus' execution. 
Uh, uh, Peter's calling, his life ends on a cross just like Jesus's. But it'll result in far more than a few hundred fish on Galilee's shores. Uh, instead, uh, Peter's uh, boat will haul in countless lives transformed in relationship with Christ. Uh, the world changes because of what happens with Peter. I think, uh, I think that Jesus knew that sometimes our failures yesterday, uh, they keep us from following today. Uh, Jesus knew that sometimes the ways that we have messed up and failed, the bad choices that we've made, the things that we feel stuck in, they keep us from following today because it feels pointless to start now. And I think he knew that not only do yesterday's failures keep us from today's following, they also prevent us from seeing tomorrow's flourishing. Peter thought it was too late when he sat around that fire, just like the disciples thought it was too late as the sun rose that morning by the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus showed up and said, if you follow me, it's never too late. Um, I think we've all been in an empty boat when dawn arrives. I think we've all been in moments where it's too late to do something. We've all missed chances to care for people that have reached out to us. Um, we all feel like we've missed chances to heal relationships with people. Uh, maybe we have kids or friends that we wish we had focused on more when they're young, and now we wonder if we'll ever have that relationship with them. We all maybe have um, relatives that we wish we had had a little more grace with during that difficult time, and we wonder if it's too late to sit around a Thanksgiving table again. We've all missed chances at work or at home. We all want to tell ourselves it's too late when we sit in that boat. Because these failures, they have a way of closing us off to something else. But Jesus, he refuses to leave Peter stuck in his boat with nothing to show for it. And he doesn't want us to stay stuck either. Instead, he shows up and speaks. And if we can hear and obey his call, if we can believe with our, with our feet... We won't believe the fish that we'll find on the other side of that boat. Because it's never too late to cast your net over there. As we uh, conclude uh, this this morning, if you could meet Jesus on that shore, what is the thing that you wish he would cover over? What is your regret? What is your failure? What is your stuck habit that you just can't get past? What sin is it? What would come to mind for you as you sat by that fire? Whose face shows up in that moment? What mistake do you feel like is defining you right now? What's keeping you stuck? If you're sitting there by that fire, I wonder, what do you think Jesus would say to you? if he loved you in the same way that he loves Peter, which he does? How many times would you repeat, yes, Lord, I love you back? What would it feel like to be pulled free by Jesus' presence from that thing that keeps you stuck? What do you think um, Jesus would ask you to respond with? 
What do you think he'd call you to do now in that relationship with that person, uh, with that situation? What practical step? What believing with your feet is he calling you to? What promise have you made that he's reminding you of in your today, in your relationships, in your life? Because it's never too late to obey Jesus and cast your net on the other side. We are all being invited to feed his lambs, to obey his command, to forgive someone or be there for someone or listen to someone or seek God in prayer, commit to connecting with other believers in church by serving or giving, taking steps of reconciliation in your marriage and relationships. We're all invited to obey. And in a moment... um, We get to baptize a child together, and we do this as the church together as we make promises uh, to baby Maverick and his parents before God. As we sit and bear witness, we we baptize as the church, and we, we make those kinds of promises. Perhaps God is calling you today to make and keep this promise. Because it's not too late. We don't have to let yesterday's failings keep us from today's following and tomorrow's flourishing. Jesus is always inviting us to come to the fire with him because we nor anyone else is ever too far gone. No one needs to be defined by their worst day or worst moment. Instead, we sit by the fire with him and though we don't deserve it. We're invited to be pulled out of the places that we're stuck. So wherever you are at with God, uh, however you feel about, uh, about what, who Jesus is and what uh, happened by this fire, we are invited to confess our sin and our failures, our brokenness, to put our faith in Jesus to save us and to invite God's Holy Spirit to make us new. As we baptize baby Maverick, um, we're holding those promises for him temporarily until the day that he can confess and put his faith in Jesus in the same way on his own. Because every day is another chance to hear Jesus and cast our nets on the other side of the boat. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we come before you this morning, we're aware of our need. No matter how hard we try or how faithful we are or how how much we try to do the right thing, Lord, we fail. We find ourselves stuck sometimes in regret and failure, wondering if there's a way forward. We confess, Lord, our failure and our sin to you. We know we need you. Lord, we believe that your son Jesus died and rose again on our behalf and that because of that you can take our sin, our failure, and our evil and take the price for it so that we don't have to carry it anymore. We can confess freely our failures. We don't have to pretend they don't exist because your son Jesus rose again from the dead. And Lord, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit you make us new. You pull us out in the places that we're stuck. You transform us into the people that you've made us to be.
We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward as we get ready uh, for our service of baptism. Let's praise God together. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.